We got it going, Brother Keith? All righty. Romans chapter number 8. We're going to deal with eight, eight exhortations, eight ways to deal when trials come into your life. And I think we all can agree that, that it's not a matter of if they're going to come, it's a matter of when they're going to come, because they do come no matter what. And uh, how to handle them graciously as a Christian is not always easily understood or sometimes easily uh, acted upon. So hopefully these will exhort us and encourage us, strengthen us in these areas. Um, how, how should we deal when trials come into our life? And so we're going to begin uh, with number one is uh, we must remember, we must remember that God is in control of the situation. God is in control. Nothing has taken God by surprise. I was listening to somebody this week speaking about the war that's going on over in Israel right now. And he said God didn't have to uh, get a news update from one of the angels that came running to him saying uh, Israel was attacked last night. And then God had to uh, say, well, i got to run go see if I can deal with this. God knew what was going to happen. <clears throat> now, it doesn't mean that God uh, orchestrated it to happen. But God is not sitting up there biting his nails, wondering what to do about the situation. God is fully in control. And one of the things that we need to keep in mind is uh, from Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28. Many of you can quote it. And that is, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And uh, very important for us to remember that. I know we know that verse. We recite that verse. But how often when we don't understand why something is happening, we struggle with it. Uh, God is in control of the situation. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not chastening us, perhaps, for something. Uh, and we'll talk about that here in just a few moments. But you must keep in mind that there, there's nothing that can happen to a believer of God um, that he's not aware of and that he can ultimately intercede on our behalf for uh, if he so chooses. And so you need to keep that in mind. We're not, pre-or- we're not preordained or predestined uh, beings. We're not um, robots. We have free will. We certainly can do things that bring consequences upon ourselves that are not the will of God. But even in those ca- cases, we need to keep in mind that God is still in control of everything. Uh, he can choose to intervene on our behalf or not as He sees fit. Uh, so we need to keep in mind that uh, when we love the Lord with our hearts, we're trying to please Him, that when trials come our way, uh, God's in control of those situations. All right, number, uh, the second verse I want you to turn to with me is Matthew chapter number 6. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 26. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to go to actually verse 25, I'm sorry. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat and body, and the body uh, than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your father, your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to a stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows this, knoweth 
what ye have need uh, that ye have need of all these things. So we're not supposed to worry about those things. Or what are we supposed to do? But he says here, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. So those that love God, those that are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, they need to keep in mind that the trials that come into their life are within God's control. He knows what's going on. He's not worried about them. And we know that they will work out for our good and for his glory. Uh, it's interesting how oftentimes, even sometimes the consequences of our sins still are for our good and his glory. Uh, if it's the chastening hand of God upon us, do you understand this, that that is still for our good and for his glory? When God chastens us, it certainly helps us, does it not? And it brings glory to Him in the fact that He is a just God and He has served His justice. It glorifies Him. It lifts Him up. It shows His justice. And so understand that God is in control of these things. Number two, remember that others are watching you. Remember that others are watching you. You're going through this trial. People are keeping their eyes on you. Oftentimes, unsaved people, or at least people who have gotten away from the Lord have become bitter about things, and uh, decided they're not going to have anything more to do with the Lord. Remember, these people are watching you. And they are looking for the weakness. They're looking for the chink in your armor. They're trying to find something that they can bring to accuse you. If you remember the story of Daniel uh, back years ago, uh, when the king was tricked into signing the decree that said that they could not pray to anyone except the king. You remember that? The whole purpose of that was these men were jealous of Daniel. They were trying to set a trap for him. And once they had set the trap, they were watching Daniel, and they were just waiting for him to have a chink in his armor, for him to to bow to the king and not to his God, because from that day on, they could have said, Daniel, you're at fault in your testimony. Uh, You claim to love God, and yet you denied him when it counted the most. And so people are watching uh, you. They're watching you as a Christian. If you name the name of Christ, if you've trusted him as your Savior, and you call yourself a Christian... People are watching you and how you respond to these trials. Do you have patience and tribulation? Are you being long-suffering in these things? Are you, are you enduring them with graciousness? Matthew chapter number 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, <clears throat> Jesus said, Ye are the salt of the world, verse number 13. He says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth... Good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men, under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What do we do when trials come? Well, we need to remember that God's in control. And we need to remember that there are others that are watching us. They are watching us. Number three, you need to ask yourself, am I a Job or a Jonah? Am I a Job or a Jonah? There is a consideration we need to make when trials come our way. And that is, is this God proving my faith and testing my faith? Or is this God chastening me? And you say, well, how do I do that? How do I analyze whether this is God testing me 
or whether uh, this is the chastening hand of God. We need to pray as the psalmist did, search my heart, O God. Try me. He said, see if there be any wicked way in me. To ask God, Lord, is this your chastening hand? If it is, make it vividly apparent to me what it is that you're chastening me for. I've found this to be true in my life. Most often, in fact, I don't know of any time really in my life that I can think of that God was chastening me that I didn't know He was chastening me. But in the off chance that you don't, I mean, we usually know when we're fleeing from God. We usually know when we're not walking in His Word. But if not, ask the question, Lord, if that's the case, and the psalmist did, he said, search my heart. You know my heart better than I do. He said, see if there be any wicked way in me. He was saying, Lord, show it to me. I want to know. I want to get this right. Uh, or if God, if you've done that and God doesn't show you anything, then you need to be patient in tribulation, realizing it's the trying of your faith. That God is testing you like He did Job. God is proving you. God is showing you uh, that this faith is, is true. And so that, that is certainly a consideration during a trial. You need to make that, uh, that understanding. Because it, I don't want to be guilty of, and I don't think you do either, of being overly uh, confident of myself in thinking, well, this must just be God trying my faith. And the whole time, He's trying to chase me for something. Uh, we certainly don't want to go that direction. We want to make certain, if God is chastening, I want to know. I want to get it right. I want to get this thing dealt with and taken care of. <clears throat> Number four. Number four. Go to God in prayer. I know that seems like the uh, the easy thing to do and the most common sense thing to do. But let's look in First Peter chapter 5 for a minute. First Peter chapter number 5. First Peter chapter number 5, verse number 6, Peter writes this, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. God expects us when we have trials in our life to come to Him and to give them to Him. If it's a matter of chastening, then we're to come to Him and get those things right. If it's a matter of testing of our faith, then we're to lean upon Him with absolute faith and confidence that He will bring us through it. Uh, the psalmist wrote that great psalm in Psalm 23, uh, where he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. And uh, the idea that uh, if it is God's testing of our faith, that He will sustain us and He will give us the strength to go through it. Alright, so four things so far. God is in control. Remember that others are watching you. Number two, or number three, we need to find out if it's God's chastening or God's testing. Uh, number four, uh, we need to go to Him in prayer and cast our care upon Him. Cast the burden upon Him. Um, I remember reading the autobiography of George Mueller, the biography of George Mueller years and years ago. It started uh, a lot of children's homes over in Europe. Um, and uh, oftentimes, they were in desperate need uh, of material things, sometimes to feed the children or uh, to have milk for them. And it's amazing how often uh, George Mueller would go to God in prayer. And one of, the, one of the, the guidelines that he used when he prayed 
was he said, I don't come to God in prayer for the need until I have no will in the matter for my own. Uh, the idea being I put it completely and wholly in God's hands and then I don't worry about it because I don't have a will in the matter. It's his problem to deal with. And, you know, when we cast our care on the Lord, oftentimes we come to him in prayer and we say, Lord, we want you to have this burden, but then we still hold on to it. Lay it at his feet. It's his. Let him deal with it. Let him care for it. Uh, and then walk away from it. Uh, let him deal with the matter. And so go to him in prayer. <clears throat> And then number five, yield yourselves to what God is trying to teach you through it. Yield yourselves. Be submissive to what it is that God is trying to teach you through this. Go to Haggai, if you will, in the Old Testament, chapter 1, the book of Haggai. Haggai chapter 1. We'll begin in the first verse. In the year, uh, the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord, uh, the, thus saith the Lord of hosts, saying, This people saith, uh, <laughs> this people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Uh, ye have so much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Two different times, uh, God comes to the people, or tells uh, Haggai to come to the people, and to tell them, consider your ways. They, they were going along with life and not really giving a whole lot of thought to things. Things were really, at this point in the history of Israel, were really going pretty good. The walls of the, of the Jerusalem had been rebuilt. They were reestablishing uh, their, their cities there. They were building their houses. They were farming again. Things were going well. And they were uh, kind of uh, out from under the, the strong rule and uh, the, the three different sieges that Nebuchadnezzar had done on Jerusalem and how he had burned uh, the temple and Belteshazzar came along and took all the vessels of the temple and uh, defiled them. And they're out from under all of that now. And they're getting comfortable in their life. And Haggai comes to him and says, The Lord has said this, Consider your ways. Consider your ways. Ponder it. Is there something that God wants me to know? And when trials come our way, when burdens come our way, I think it would do us well to ponder. Lord, what is it you're trying to teach me through this? Uh, there have been a number of things in my life that while I was going through the valley, I, I couldn't understand it. I was like, Lord, why am I doing this? Why am I going through this? And within about a year or sometimes two or three years after it, looking back on it, the value of things I learned, uh, the way that my faith had been strengthened through that, I was able to look back on it and give thanks to the Lord for it. But it has caused me to start praying this prayer. Lord, help me to learn what you have for me to learn without having to go through that. Because that's a painful thing to do. But when we go through that trial, I've, I've learned now as I, I've, I've gotten older in ministry, I'm looking back more and more and seeing these times 
at how God taught me things through them. And I didn't realize at the moment that I was going through it that He was trying to teach me things, that He was trying to build some things in me that needed to be there. Um, I think it's Job that spoke about the fact that when he was tried, he shall come forth as gold. Uh, there's a trying that God puts us through, a, a purging. Uh, in, in, in metalworking, they have uh, what's called a crucible. And they take the metals and they, they put it in this crucible and they melt the metals down. The whole purpose of it is to bring extreme heat to it, to liquefy the, the metal and to, to bring the dross, the impurities, to the top. And then as the crucible gets hot and the impurities rise, they come and they, they skim the top of that metal. They take the impurities out. And there are times that we come under the intense heat of the Lord and we have trials in our lives. And it's not just chastening, but oftentimes it's just the proving, the building, the growing of the Christian life to get some of those things that we need to learn, the things that we're, we're, uh, we're de- deficient in perhaps or, or maybe we don't know. Perhaps it's a weakness of our faith that he's building. And so when we come to these trials, oftentimes we need to pray, say, Lord, what is it that you're trying to show me through this? What are you trying to teach me through this? And then to yield ourselves to it, to make ourselves pliable, uh, to be moldable, to be like clay in the potter's hands. To say, Lord, I want you to fashion me the way you want me to be. I want to be the way, I want to look the way you want me to look. I want to act the way you want me to act. I want to be inwardly the way you want me to be. Mold me. And I think it does us well often during these times to question the Lord and say, Lord, I want to consider my ways. I want to see what it is that you're trying to teach me. And so be yielded to what God is trying to teach you through the trial. Number six, don't quit. Don't quit. I don't know how many times I've seen Christians over the years, when the trials came, they quit. When the going got tough, they said, well, it's it's just not worth it. I've done all this and this and this and this is how it's going to be, and now I'm just going to quit. I don't know how many times throughout the Scripture the Bible speaks to the, back, uh, the fact that we're to be strong in the power of the Lord and in His might, uh, to uh, to even though we're weary, to faint not. And be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not, the Bible says. In uh, Isaiah chapter number 40, if you'll turn there with me for a moment. Isaiah chapter number 40, and again, a, a verse of Scripture, and some of you will know it as a song. Uh, we sing this Scripture song, and that's, it's a great Scripture song. Isaiah chapter 40, in verse number 31, Isaiah writes this, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run, and notice this, and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Don't quit. Paul told the church at Corinth, Finally, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Don't let the trials of life cause you to quit. Don't do it. Purpose in your heart before the trial ever comes. Lord, I'm not going to quit. And I'm going to tell you, if it hasn't already happened in your life, it very well could. And I I used to think, boy, how could a person ever get to the point where it was so bad that their thoughts were, Lord, I'm just going to walk away from it all. I'm done. I used to wonder that, and I used to ponder that. 
until a few years ago, sitting in my living room, those thoughts came into this, into this brain. And the trial had gotten so difficult, the hurt and the burden was so great, that that thought was there. And folks, I'm telling you right now from a, a, just a very transparent pastor, I would have never thought I would have ever had a thought like that. But it can happen. It can happen. God can allow the circumstances of your life to bring you so low. Whether it's His chastening, whether it's allowing Satan to touch your body and do things in your life that cause you to be in the darkest place you ever found yourself in in your life. It's one thing to be there because you're running from God, you're rebellious towards God, you're sinning against God without repenting of it. It's another thing when you're there and you've done right and you love the Lord and you're striving to do the best you can to live for Him. And those trials still come. And that valley is still that dark. and still gets that low. Those are the moments where that thought may come to your heart and your mind. And can I tell you this? In the midst of it, don't quit. Don't quit. Weeping may endure for the night. But joy cometh in the morning. You will never regret not quitting in the darkest of night when you get on the other side of it and realize all the joy that comes from having God bring you out from that place. And to watch His faithful hand at work, don't quit. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those that sing that Scripture song often add a phrase to the end, not adding to Scripture, but putting something on the end of the song is a heartfelt prayer. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Not to quit. Teach me to wait. Number seven. God may choose not to bring relief to you yet. You may do everything right. You may come to Him in prayer and ask for His deliverance. But you need to be aware that He may choose not to, not to deliver you from it and not to bring relief. And you need to be aware of this. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And maybe I should have done this one before the one I just did. Because in that situation, refer to number 6. Don't quit. Don't quit. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. Paul writes this, "...and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh." Now, why, why was there given to him a thorn in the flesh, according to Paul's testimony here? What, what was his reason? What did he say was God's reasoning for bringing a thorn in the flesh into his life? Lest he should be exalted above measure, right? God had done so many mighty works through the Apostle Paul. He didn't want Paul to get proud or boastful about how God had worked in his life and for Paul to start taking credit for it or taking the glory for it. And he says, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. You think he's got this purpose of why this is happening to him nailed down? 
He said it twice. He, he knows why. He does now at least while he's writing these words. He may not have known it at the time. In fact, it appears from his own testimony that he did not know it at the time. But he learned it. He says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. God may not choose to bring any relief yet. But we need to understand two things in that situation. God's grace is sufficient. And God's strength is made perfect through that weakness. And I refer you back to number six. Don't quit. Paul didn't. As far as we know, Paul went the rest of his ministry with that thorn in the flesh that continued to buffet him. We don't know what that thorn in the flesh is. Some have speculated. I can tell you 100% because I have the Bible to back me up on it that I know what it was. It was a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him. You say, well, what is a messenger of Satan? It could be different for every one of us. But it was a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him. What if God chooses not to bring deliverance yet this side of heaven? Maybe for the rest of your life you may go through that trial or that burden. Maybe there's a messenger of Satan that is sent to buffet you that God expects and intends for you to live with the rest of your life. Two things. God's grace is sufficient. Well, I'm going to give you three things. God's grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in that weakness. And don't quit. Don't quit. And number eight, if the burden or the trial of life involves another person, don't be bitter. Learn to be gracious. Look with me in Ephesians chapter number four. Ephesians chapter number four, verse number thirty two. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You say, Brother Greg, you don't know what that person did to me. No. But I know what I've done to God. And He has seen fit to forgive me because of what Christ did. Surely I can find it in my heart to forgive someone else because of what Christ has done. If God could send His Son to die in my place and forgive me for all that I have done against Him, then can I not find it in my heart to be kind to someone, tender-hearted, and forgiving. 
eight exhortations of how to deal with trials in life. Remember that God is in control. Nothing takes Him by surprise. There's no need for you to be nervous about it because God isn't. Number two, remember others are watching you. Number three, decide or find out whether this is God's chastening or God's testing. Number four, go to Him in prayer and cast your burdens upon Him. Number five, yield yourself to what God is trying to teach you. Number six, don't quit. Number seven, God may not choose to bring relief yet. His grace will be sufficient. His strength will be made perfect in your weakness. Number eight, do not be bitter, but be gracious. And I'm going to give you two more real quick. Don't quit. Number nine and number ten, don't quit. God has a purpose and a plan. And even when we are the ones that messed up, and we have the circumstances of that sin or that error that we made that we must live with, God can still take something that was our consequence and turn it into something very beautiful. If we'll allow Him to do it, we'll return to Him. There are things I look at in my life, and I'm sure every one of us could take an inventory of things in our lives that we would have to admit that was not what God would have wanted for my life. That doesn't mean that God hasn't made something beautiful out of my life or out of your life. God has been able to take those things. And He's been able to make something and mold something out of you because of your heartfelt faithfulness and desire to walk with Him. And I would encourage you, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Deal with the trials of life the way they're intended to be. And let's learn from them. All right? Let's stand together and be dismissed. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. And Lord, I don't know if anybody else here today needed to hear this message, but I know know that I did.